0: Uh, This is Lisa Lowe. I'm a physical therapist. I row out of both Community Rowing Incorporated and Riverside Boat Club in Boston, and you are listening to Steady State Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Steady State Podcast, your rowing fix, where the water's flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain.
2: We're revealing a narrative about rowing culture that celebrates the expansive array of rowers, coaches, and coxswains in a podcast designed to save a real-life experience from launch to coxie at every level.
1: We're Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan, and this is Steady State Podcast.
2: Sit ready. really interested in what makes people, the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today on and off the water.
1: We first met Lisa Lowe in fall 2020 when she applied for and received one of our Changemaker Scholarships. She calls herself an athlete who has to tread the fine line of training volume and injury and brings personal experience to her professional life as a physical therapist in Boston. Her goal is to be part of a conversation to help cultivate a culture within rowing where we support each other without breaking each other.
2: Well, hi, Lisa. Thanks for joining us. So we are switching things up on the podcast and we're doing rapid fire at the beginning. Okay. So this is our kind of icebreaker, get to know you, even though we we kind of know you a little bit more than most people. Sure. Let's do it. Rapid fire. Sure.
1: (laughs) Okay. Sweep or skull? Skull.
2: Port or starboard?
1: both bow seat or stroke seat uh
0: i never sit bow (laughs) (laughs) or sprint race or head
1: race head race uni suit or tank and trowel uni
2: shoes or barefoot on the erg shoes
1: calories watts or splits
2: splits favorite coxswain command to give or receive?
0: Uh, My favorite from college was probably open the gates. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, and last but not least, coffee before or after a row?
0: Before and after.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All the time coffee. Yeah. (laughs) So question number one, Lisa, how is your rowing week going? Scale of
0: one to 10. Well, it's Monday. Yeah. (laughs) So it's pretty good. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I would say I'm, I'm at like an eight or so on a rowing week scale. Like I feel like the spring weather and all of those things are adding to everyone's excitement. People are back on the water in Boston. I'm not yet. Um, I just don't really want to be cold. but you know, the people I have coming in to see me in the clinic are, you know, coming in after those first rows back with the, you know, slightly sore this or that because boats are different than ergs and Um, you know, some racing has started and it it just feels like we're headed like fingers crossed for a normal spring. And that's really exciting. So I would, I would put a pretty solid eight, probably if I was getting myself back on the water, it'd be around a 10, but you know, that's, that's my own choice. (laughs) So yeah,
1: I I agree. It's a little chilly yet. So I'm getting excited because we start back on the water in one week. So yeah, fingers Uh, crossed, it warms up just a smidge. Here in D.C., you never know what you're going to get this time of year. We've had March where it's been 30 on day one of the season and other years where it's been a lovely 60 degrees first day of the season. So it's crazy here, but I can't
2: wait to get
0: back on the water.
2: (laughs) So how did rowing come into your life? Like what was happening for you when you started rowing?
0: Um, So my dad was actually a rower growing up. So he rowed in at least high school and college, if not middle school as well. Um, So I always knew about rowing, but in high school, I was like a cross country, indoor indoor track, lacrosse athlete. Um, There was rowing at my high school. I just wasn't interested yet. You know, I was happy with my sports. Um, But then my best friend and I was like the summer after senior year of high school, we neither of us were planning to do cross country in college. So we wanted something other than going for crazy long runs in the summer to occupy ourselves. So we decided to try the Learn to Row program um, through our high school. Um, and so I grew up in Connecticut. So the program there is the Bloodstreet Street Skulls, um, which I was never actually part of that team. I just did like their, you know, summer Learn to Row. Um, so she and I honestly spent like all summer in a double together, just kind of like messing around um, and had a lot of fun. So we both Uh, went off to college and joined the novice teams at our respective schools. So I went to Ithaca college. She went off to Bowdoin and Bowdoin's program just wasn't quite as like competitive and, and fun in that way for her. So she moved away from it, but Ithaca's was wonderful. And I just kind of fell in love with the sport. I feel like it kind of just grew from there. Just that, you know, collegiate team atmosphere. And I mean, those are still some of my best friends after I finished my graduate years of PT school. Um, Rowing took me to Boston because I had decided I wanted to attempt to train at an elite level. Um, I just chatted with some like, coaching mentors, and at the time, uh, Riverside was you know, the place to be, so I moved to Boston to be able to join the Riverside. Um, I joined their sweeps team first um, just to get myself back in a boat since it had been a couple of years with grad school, and then transitioned over to their high-performance group. Rowing's really formed a lot of where I've ended up, and what I've chosen to do so
1: I agree it's it's amazing how it can totally change your life and send you on a new path and so I was actually wondering so that that first year you started rowing at Ithaca and you decided that you didn't want to be a multi-sport athlete what pushed you over the edge to pick rowing over cross country
0: the teamwork and the camaraderie within a rowing team is just so unique you know within within a track team yes you have you know you have teamwork in terms of relays that I was I was always a relay person um you know you have all of that but the true you have to work together to make things go well aspect of especially like a collegiate eight race is I think I think that was the most like addictive part right or not addictive maybe but like the most intriguing like I want to do everything I can to be a huge contributing factor to this and And how do I, you know, work with my teammates and make myself better and all of that to make that go better? That feeling you get in an eight when everybody is just crushing it is is, there's nothing else like it. You don't find that anywhere else.
1: So we talked a little bit about coming up through high school and rowing in college. And um, we know that now you're a physical therapist. And I was checking out your website and you talk about this notion of being an athlete who's kind of always balanced training too hard and injuries and wanting to do well and um, and being in and out of physical therapy as an athlete. Um, And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of what your life was like as an athlete growing up as a kid. And what sorts of things you (laughs) were dealing with that sent you to a physical therapist?
0: It's always interesting now, right, working with those high school athletes who are kind of like having the same things happen that, you know, kind of led me down this path. But um, so I was, like I said, I was a runner primarily. I played lacrosse as well. I just grew really fast, which I feel like in a rowing bubble is kind of a common thing that happens for a lot of people. So I think it was between like eighth grade and sophomore year, I grew like six or eight inches or something like that. It Mm -hmm. was like, you know, my body just like got way longer. And so when that happens, your long bones get long way faster than your muscles get long. So then things get tight and pull on each other. So I had like a lot of back pain or hip pain or this or that, you know, that you just like from imbalances and continuing to be an athlete through that. So you know, various pains put me in PT for different chunks of time. And, um, you know, I think so in in retrospect, right, like kind of cool that I had that experience because that's kind of what led me to do what what I'm doing now. Um, And I think I just found that it was so cool that somebody through some exercise and some just like modifications and some different things like that they could help you like feel better and keep competing and like, you know, stay in the sports that were so much fun and that continue to be, you know, being, being someone who likes to move a lot always, right. It's, it's work to like, keep your body going to be able to do that. You know, I always wanted to do something that was like a career that was helpful, you know? So then it was cool to have found something that applies across a wide variety of people, whether it's, you know, athletes or rehab, be that person that helps everyone have the life they want and, and live the highest quality life that they want to.
2: Lisa, I wanted to ask you, do you feel like you know, you talked about this wide range of people you can, you can help. And I love that. I love being in a coaching or a helping profession. Um, Do you feel like you, if pressed, you do have kind of a specialty or thing that you're known for in the physical therapy world?
0: I mean, at this point, my favorite bubble to build is sort of that rowing specialty of, of PT. Probably for the past two, two and a half years, I've been able to fully focus on developing like my skills, knowledge, physical, like hands-on skills, all that um, kind of surrounding rowers and rowing. My business card says rowing specialist. Think about rowing all day, every day. And when I, (laughs) when I can talk to my coworkers about, you know, differences of rowers versus other athletes, or, you know, I've, Got a lot more, rowers fill a lot more of my day now in the clinic than they used to because more people are finding me, which is really fun. It makes my brain happy. It makes my my body happy to be able to like be passing things on. It's so motivating, right? Knowing how many injuries and how many kind of errors we've all made in previous training and what that's resulted in, you know, time lost on the water or just like burnout or whatever. Um, to be able to work with, rowers at various ages and stages of rowing and assist them in navigating that time and and keep them in the boat and keep them feeling good and make it like you know just like a positive piece of their life and not like you must show up and must do this and do you know like just blindly follow a training plan and not pay attention to their body and like all that kind of stuff that leads us all into a kind of deep hole of injury
2: one thing i would to ask you about was my my chiropractor, I used a chiropractor for a short while uh, while I was act- when I was really actively rowing and really training, and he was also on the national team, uh, so he was kind of known. He had a big a national team oar in his office, and you know he had a lot of rowing paraphernalia uh, around. He said, "I said, why are so many rowers here? You know, there was of course your general population people that were there, but I said, why are there so many rowers here?" And he said that just the nature of the sport to your, your threshold for suffering is, is different in rowing. That you, you have eight, seven other people counting on you to keep rowing, even though you are XX and X, you know, yeah. is happening inside your body. You know, it's just this culture of maybe suffering beyond what's reasonable. And I think that has a spectrum, of course, from juniors who, you know, I have a 14-year-old in my life, who really wants to be rowing at a higher level, but he didn't start out properly. So his back is really, you know, kind of messed up versus, you know, your 90 year old wants to stay in the boat no matter what, you know, and you've got kind of everybody in between. How do you respond to that statement about it being this, having this cultural piece of, of suffering beyond uncomfortable?
0: Yeah, I, and, you know, it's one of those things that I think about this a lot, to be honest, because it's like, okay, in some ways, the mentality to be able to do that teaches you to push your way through a lot of really hard things in life overall you know so i feel like it's it's an interesting experience that we all get of just kind of blindly having to push your way through something really hard or finding strategies to make your way through that really hard moment but then it's like okay if that moment is injuring you and and harming you like we don't need to go there if possible Um, you know, from the, from kind of that PT, take care of your body mindset. Um, I have a lot of conversations with athletes about how do we keep you, like, how do you go on the water and know that you're going to keep your body safe, knowing that it is not an option to say, I need to be done now, you know, not being able to raise your hand and be like, coach, I need to sit out like generally, right. That is, that's not an option, like in a dire situation in, in a, like something happens for the first time, like, you know, encourage athletes to say something. Cause you don't need to row back to the dock for, you know, you don't need to finish 45 minutes worth of practice with like a really sharp pain in your back or whatever. It's just like, you're digging yourself in a hole there. Um, but that ability to like decide before you hop in the boat, am I going to be able to complete practice today? You know, I, I talk rowers through a lot of self-check kind of times, you know, in your warm-up, in your way to the boathouse, like depending, you know, if it's morning or if it's after school, um, just like ways to check in with your system and your body to, to see how am I feeling for today? And is this injury that's been plaguing me something that I need to communicate with my coach today, or am I okay to manage my own body? And I feel confident that I can get in the boat and complete practice, you know, whether it's just like a simple stretching or like mobility routine that you go through so that you check in on your back, you check in on your ribs, you see how your hips are feeling, you see how your shoulders are feeling. Um, You know, and then depending on what, where you are on your spectrum of like, oof, nope, no, thank you, not doing this today to like, okay, I'm good. Everything's great. Um, You know, that's where I just encourage athletes to chat with their coach and their teammates um, to help make a decision of like, you know, do I get into that boat? Because you go, you will be in that situation, right? You will be in that situation where you are in the middle of a piece. And if you, you know, didn't quite read yourself right, you will end up in that situation of like put having to put your body in a compromised position when, you know, I feel like the biggest shift I've been trying to both for myself and for others try and make is you don't have to go get to that point, right? Like you don't have to get to that point where you're breaking your own body just to help the greater of the team because really your teammates are better off if you can show up for practice again tomorrow. That consistency of being able to show up every day rather than killing yourself for that one piece day on Tuesday and then not being able to get back in the boat until Saturday, like that doesn't do your team nearly as much good as if you check in with yourself before you get on the water. And even if it's an inconvenience for the group as a whole, Right say to your coach like hey I'm really sorry I don't know if it's a great idea for me to row today research essentially shows like the longer you ignore something and the longer you're in pain the longer it takes to get rid of it too but it's a hard it's a hard cultural shift none of us want to be saying like I'm really sorry like I need to tap out today um because that's just not relevant right you do it anyway but um but we have as a sport we have one of the highest if not the highest incidence of like rowing in or completing your sport while in pain, mm-hmm. because people just think it's like not an option to say no. Um, and, but then you think of, you know, all of us have friends, former teammates, whatever, who destroyed right. their back or, you know, did something that was like life changing and being a part of a rowing team that they are no longer able to fully do what they want to, to have their happiest life. And, um, And that, so I feel like that's, that's where I always try and encourage athletes. Like you have a, we have one body, right? Like you have one body that you are trying to use for this amazing sport. I mean, from, so what's been really fun that I've been learning so much from, right. Is I've taken last summer and I'm hoping to, again, this summer, I took the time to go hop in some launches with different coaches in different areas to like pick their brains of like, what do you do? you know, when you do have a rower come to you and, and they're feeling off for the day, or when you see somebody moving really weird in a boat that they don't usually do, you know, like, how do you, how do you manage that? The biggest thing that is encouraged, I would say from all ends is just communication, right? Like a coach being willing to take the time to ask, you know, globally as a team, how are we all doing today? A coach having that moment in their you know pre-getting on the water time to just watch their athletes going through their warm-up and see if anyone's moving different than usual like than usual you know because we all are really good at watching people move like that's a really skilled piece of being a coxswain and being a coach is you you get really really good at watching people move. so I trust a coach's eye generally to, watch their rowers warming up and see like, you know, so-and-so wasn't really willing to touch their toes today, or, you know, so-and-so didn't really want to do whatever their rotational warm up was as well as they usually do, or, you know, whatever piece that you're teaching your athletes to use to check in with your body is another chance for a coach to watch. And as busy as getting on the water time is for a coach, right? Just having that moment to consciously even watch for, you know, 30 seconds, you should find it. You should see it to just then be able to say before you give people their seat assignments or say that like, let's get hands-on like, Hey, so-and-so this looked weird. What's up? And just open that door for them right. to talk to you from what I've learned from these coaches. They're also coaches who have rowers that keep coming back, you know, makes you want to keep showing up It makes you want to bring your friends and like all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I, I like what you said before about the simple notion
1: of well do you think you will make it worse today on the water and if you do we don't want you pushing through pain take the day off it's good it's fine take the day off maybe two if you need it and come back when you're ready so that we can salvage the rest of the week the rest of the month the rest of the season instead of you know oh your back hurts push through it in the boat like i don't think that coaches really do that but i think then flip it to the rower's perspective. You know, it's, it's also then challenging as a rower to say, where am I on that spectrum zero to 10? And at what point do I say, this is too much for me. And I need to tell my coach that I need the day off. Yeah.
0: Having a like with coaches that I, the coaches that I work with text me all the time, where we have like check-in phone calls about their athletes and about what they're doing with their training plan or, you know, and I think having... A, row, a, a physical therapist in your area who understands rowing, they might not be a rower themselves, but like, that's where like, like. you know, I will, I will say, so um, within my kind of like COVID project blog website, um, Powerhouse Physio, I chat or a lot of the context, I try and build it all to talk to the full audience, right? I, t- I try and build my content to talk to the coach, to the rower, to the non-rowing PT, to the You know um adaptive athlete and master's athlete and junior and you know i try and be as inclusive of anyone that could find it useful to learn more about like rowing with kind of that p2 lens
1: because of our amazing patrons we've been able to provide 16 change maker scholarships to rowers coaches and club founders who have big ideas for the future of our sport when you join our Patreon community for as little as five dollars per month, you support the ChangeMaker Scholarship Initiative and help develop new leaders in the growing community. You'll also be the first to know about new episodes, get Steady State freebies and store discounts. Find out more at SteadyStateNetwork.com/Patreon. Two, we're back talking about preparing your body for peak performance with Lisa Lowe. That's one, two. You mentioned kind of in, in as an aside, um, powerhouse physio, um, and
0: that's something you got started during COVID. I was not very far into a brand new job when COVID hit. Um, so when we were all sort of like home not knowing what to do. Um, my bosses and, my, and some of my coworkers encouraged me like, hey, well, why don't you start a blog? Rowing, physical therapy. And so it's a way for me to kind of process from point A to point Z of take the time to learn a lot usually while I'm doing it, which is super fun um, and been really helpful for me in clinic too.
2: I want to ask you, Rachel and I have been talking a lot lately about our changed relationships to rowing. And you know, we go through uh, you know, we're really into it one season or we get picked, you know, or we win a seat in the Charles boat that year, or we don't win it the, the next year. Or can you take us through how rowing changed in your life, uh, over the last, you know, since you tried for your national team, uh, cause we know you had an incident that sort of jarred the whole
0: relationship. Let's see. I moved to Boston in like 2013 to join Riverside and like hopped into the sweeps program to get myself like back acclimated um, and joined the high performance group like winter, like end of 2014 for two and a half or three years. Um, During which time I like fractured three ribs and did all the things that you do when you overtrain and don't feel well and all that stuff. So I learned a lot, you know, that's the thing, right? All of it's a learning experience. And at least with what I do for work, I can use that to help somebody else. Um, (laughs) But I was pretty toast. Like I was pretty burnt out by the end of that. Like I, I wasn't, I mean, I honestly was never even really successful to go to, to like a selection regatta. I was always a little bit too on edge of injury or just having recovered from injury, um, to feel like I could validate, like missing that much work and spending the money and the time to go to a selection regatta. My endeavors of trying to make it to the next level, I honestly think I learned more just that will help me with my career than anything else. You know, made a lot of great friends, had a lot of great races and experiences. You know, I'm a better scholar now than I was before because of it. So that's fun too. I took a break from rowing probably for most of 2017. I might have hopped in a boat. You know, I, I would like call up a friend and be like, hey, you want to take out a double or something like that. But I wasn't. I would go out for maybe some sculling group practices at Riverside, um, but I wasn't really a solid part of any of the teams at that point. And then it was April 2018, so almost four years ago. My um, now husband and I got hit by a car while we were walking a dog, which derailed lots of life, but also I have a lot of it back now, so it kind of doesn't feel as dramatic. But Um, so, you know, at that point, like 2018, I was planning to rejoin the women's sweep team at Riverside and like, kind of get back into the swing of just like enjoying rowing for enjoying it and not worrying about where I was going with it. And I, at that point, honestly, even pre-accident had sort of shifted gears to wanting to achieve the goal of becoming like sort of a sought after rowing clinician or like whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, so I had more shifted towards the career focused like rowing goals anyway, um, so then the development of that was really just paused with meeting needing to focus on myself to rehab after the accident. Um, so it's nice to feel like I've kind of gotten back to what I was wanting to do anyway. I I, I I want to chime in just for one second, because,
1: you know, in getting ready for this chat with you today, you know, it's kind of poking around online. I wanted to see what else I could find out about you to ask you some smart questions. And I, and I came across um, an online journal that your sister set up um, after your accident. And yeah. I we don't need to dig into the details. You can tell us whatever you want to, but one of the very first posts was from your mom, and she talks about the injuries to your legs, several breaks to both of your legs, but she ends it by saying, Lisa has wiggled her toes, and I just think that's amazing to think four years later, you're talking about, it's in the past, look how far I've come, and that's what Tara and I see too, is the athlete that you are today and the choices that you've made to get to where you are today. And we know that last year you were out on the Charles for head of the Charles. So I'm not sure what my question is here, (laughs) but I do know that there's been this huge progression and transition for you to get back on the water and get back in the water um as an adaptive rower a para rower and maybe if you want to talk about what that transition has been like and starting to work with para athletes
0: yeah so um, you make me a little bit emotional talking about some of the early things but that's okay that's part of it um, so yeah. I mean, it, my, like, I mean, my legs were destroyed, like literally every bone in both sides of my legs was broken somewhere or multiple places. Um, and I'm like very open with lots of ways of talking about my accident. Like I give an in-service at work that brings, you know, the interns through like literally day one to, to today, you know, and, and show I am lucky to have my mom was sneaky and took a lot of pictures while I was in the hospital, even though she wasn't supposed to, but I'm glad she did. Um, and you know, and then I have surgical images from some of my surgeons and like all sorts of fun stuff that like, as the PT brain, I love being able to share with people. Right. I think it's, I think it's super fascinating and the body is amazing of what it can do. And so it's fun to be able to share my journey in that way, sort of, you know, with both the personal experience and medical mindset sort of a bit. Um, so where was I going with this? Um, yeah. So moving, moving to more of the rehab, you know, getting back to in, what I enjoy doing kind of side of things. I think it was June or July, 2019. Mm, was it sooner than that?
1: I've seen some notes online. June, I think. 2019, you got back on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I was, and that's where, you know, I, the kind of funny thing is even before the accident, like literally, I think within the week of the accident, I was supposed to go meet the para group to, cause I had reached out to Elementor to see like, Hey, I would love to come and observe or help or do something with the para group at CRI, like, how can I get involved as a PT? Like, what can I do? You know? And it was, this was like, literally when I searched my inbox, it's like, I, you know, I was like, I know I talked to her before this. And, um, I have an email chain with her that was like early April, 2018. So it was like before the accident, I had reached out to her, set this up. And then I don't know if she ever wondered what I, what happened to me. Cause I didn't show up. Right. But, um, <laughs> um you know, so it, it's always been, on my radar of like, it would be, I wanted to learn professionally more about adaptive rowing and para rowers because, you know, PT background wise, especially with my pediatrics background, like I have a lot of knowledge and experience there anyway. Um, so being able to meld the two just felt really exciting. Um, so then as I was rehabbing, I reached back out to say like, Hey, I'm a PT, I'm going through some rehab myself, but if there's anything I can do, you know, to to assist with, you know, any of the para programs, it would be great for me and I would learn a lot, you know. So Ellen said, sure, come on out, Jeff the other PT that works with the group would be happy to have you. So I believe I went out for the first time February. I remember, I mean, I showed up with both my crutches still at that point. Like I was, you know, I was still needing assistance to walk and I was just like there to hang out and, and learn from Jeff and meet the team and all that kind of stuff. And I joined one of just kind of the recreational para adaptive groups at CRI to like hop on the ERG a little bit with them and then eventually get on the water and all that that kind of stuff. So I um, got back on the water that June with the, just like a recreational para group at CRI. Um, got in like a big tubby single, you know, and, and just kind of putts around. I probably did all of 4K and that was about it, you know. Um, and but it was great. It was fantastic. I remember the coach Sandra that took me out. Like, you know, it was a beautiful day and all this stuff. And she just like took some pictures for me. And I told her when we got off the water, I was like, you know, this was my this was my first row back. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then it kind of just, you know, I got to the point where the amount of rowing we got to do within the kind of general rec group, I was ready for more. So, um, Sandra pushed me to kind of shift over to be able to row with the, the paranational team group that's there just because they covered more distance in a practice. Um, it was fun. Um, What
2: was that? Like, did you find yourself comparing, did you find yourself comparing your, your, former performance capabilities to what you were working with i've, I've worked with some national team people who, who've also become para and it's it's a struggle it's it's a hard thing to see erg scores that aren't the same you know level of erg scores but i i feel like i don't sense that from you at all i feel like you're like this no, is where I, we're at and yeah. this is what we
0: can do i'm just usually happy to be out there and as long as i feel like i'm like working as hard as I can in a moment when you're supposed to be then like great you know and as long as and I I mean and that's where too like for one I the erg and I don't get along very well right now (laughs) um I think it's a little bit of PTSD for my time on HPG and just spending way too many hours on it and not wanting to do that again and I haven't figured like it's almost harder on an erg than it is on the water for me to limit my like, kind of trunk range of motion as much as I should, based on how much range I have elsewhere. Like my knees don't bend very much, my ankles don't bend very much. So, um, if I try and get to kind of my previous points of like my end point at the catch, I just put too much pressure into my hips or my spine or or something. and and so, in a boat, it's a lot easier for me to sit up tall and just find a good strong catch, but on an erg it's a lot more reprogramming that I just haven't had patience for yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, cause I feel like, especially that visual of how close the handle gets to the fan is a lot more consistent and like ingrained in me versus like in a boat, having that really comfortable catch position is way more feel than like visualization of like your, yourself in space, I, at least for, for what I've kind of gone through. And Um, so it's been easier to be more successful on the water which I'm happy with I would much rather that than the other way (laughs) I think that that falls right in line
1: with like uh, basically everybody you talk to loves being on the water more than on the erg and we all have our mental battles with the erg but when we get on the water they're different mental battles and part of it is just we're outdoors it's fresh air it's you're moving somewhere where you're with your teammates um and for you is that uh, you know the extra understanding of what what the body can do that day uh in the boat yeah yeah
0: and i will say it's still like that conversation we're having earlier of like how do you know you're going on the water and you're not going to get off and be in more pain when you leave right is it's a little bit tricky for me because i um because i haven't been able to keep up erging in the off season getting back on the water i have to be super careful um part of the repair of my legs is they actually took out my right rectus abdominis and part of my left lat so my trunk stability and endurance is just not as not as great and as much as i lift all winter and i do a lot of core all winter and all that there is nothing quite like the strain of rowing continuously for X amount of time on your core. Um, so I have to be really careful when I get back on the water to like not go out for a ton of time. You know, I've been texting a couple of friends to be like, "Hey, want to go for like a thirty-minute technique row with me?" <laughs> you know, I just that uh, sounds great. yeah, <laughs> just because it's like okay, I'm watching the temperatures. If it's sunny and not windy, like I could, you know, I could comfortably dress for this, and I. I think it's just an age thing. I don't really care about going out (laughs) when I have to wear a lot of layers. Um, But yeah, so it's, you know, I do have to, I feel like I have to self-protect a little bit more than I otherwise would. Um, And it is challenging. Like the, the coaches within the pair group that I've been rowing with the most are good at being cognizant of that. But then it's also like, I'm still one body within a group. And if I'm in a double for the day, I feel bad. For the other person that's in the boat with me, if I'm kind of cutting their workout short, um, so that's where you know being in a single is kind of better in that way because um, I could turn around and go home if I want to. But then honestly, it's not always the easiest for me to carry my boat by myself. So yeah. it is that tricky. Like I can do it if it's not windy, but if it's windy, like I, I'm not carrying a boat by myself. Mm-hmm. Like it will take me down, or the boat is going down, or something is yeah. something is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so I it's that balance of like, I don't want to end up just like sitting on a dock. Cause I've needed to go in early waiting for somebody to be around for me to like have help to get off the dock, you mm. know? Um, so there is, there is like, you know, those kind of newer logistics of getting on and off the water that are a little bit trickier now. Um, but at the same time, I guess, you know, it's like, well, I just have to plan for it and and try, you know, and like be patient with it and like try and, you know, make it so that yes, somebody knows like, okay, Lisa's only going out for half an hour. Can somebody be watching the dock, you know, to like hop down and just like help her carry your boat up? Um and it sounds like you're in a good place at CRI to kind of make, yeah. make it work
1: the way that you need it to work.
0: Yeah, generally. And I honestly am also hoping to get myself back over to Riverside a little bit more too, because um partly I just love rowing on that part of the river more. Like I love being able to go into the basin and not have to turn constantly. (laughs) Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, and I kind of am seeing it as like, okay, well, Riverside is very comfortable with me. They've known me for years. And so I'm kind of like a mild to manage, you know, I, I don't have a chair. I don't have, you know, adaptive equipment. I don't have things that like I need to be able to row with, but I am an adaptive rower who they could you know start to be comfortable with having row out of their boat club um and you know so and i i just enjoy being there it's you know it's my it's my first boat club on the charles it's where i feel most at home like community rowing is amazing it's absolutely amazing i've gotten so much out of being there and i want to continue to be there too um but you know riverside just feels like home so um the, i'm hoping to kind of split my time this year and mm-hmm. go between the two because I, I enjoy rowing with the rowers at CRI. I love being with them. Um, I have a lot of fun in the water with them. Johanna and I um, go out in a double often together and just have a great time.
2: Thanks to everyone who listened to our last
1: episode with New Orleans Rowing Club, a new hub for coastal rowing in the Gulf South. We got to tell you, if you love flat water rowing, throw out the pursuit of perfection and you're going to have to embrace chaos because coastal rowing includes winds and wave and jostling with other boats. This exciting fast paced sport is on the cusp of being added to the schedule for the 2028 Olympics in LA and we are stoked. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast. Or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And when you share and review this episode, it helps our podcast get noticed and reach more ears.
2: In two, we're back talking about preparing your body for peak performance with Lisa Lowe. That's one, two. You mentioned you've mentioned more than once in our conversation about your you love learning about things. Right. You love uh, exploring things, investigating things, getting deeper dives into things, um, especially those related to your profession and to rowing. And so t- 2020, you became one of our change maker. Changemakers Scholars. Was that 2020?
1: Yeah. Yeah. At the, yeah, at the end of 2020, our changemaker Scholarships uh, sent Lisa and seven other folks to the U.S. Rowing Annual Convention.
0: Yeah, which that mm-hmm. was my first time. Yeah. So, right.
2: oh, your first time to U.S. Rowing Convention?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well, I just wanted to ask, like, so what inspired you to become a Changemaker and apply for the Changemaker Scholarship. And then what do you feel you got
0: out of it? Um, I mean, I, I think it was the perfect opportunity for me to have been able to attend the US Rowing Conference kind of without really needing to worry about it or think about it and being able to prioritize spending time doing that over my workday, <laughs> um, you know, to be able to take some time off work for those few days to like really dive in and pay attention and learn as much as I could. Um, you know, it was, that was a really great opportunity. And then to be able to connect with the other um, individuals you chose in that kind of cohort, I think, you know, was also really cool. Um, and then, you know, the Science of Rowing guys were the ones that I was able to get the scholarship, like, through, or that they were the ones that sponsored, however you want to put it, that that particular one. And so I think it also sort of created a, a cool relationship with me and, like, those guys um, to sort of, because the science of rowing model and sort of what I've done with my powerhouse physio do sort of a lot of similar things, minus they really pick apart just like one article per person at a time. Um, whereas I end up just like going in 12 directions and talking about more like one type of movement or muscle or or whatever, right? Um, so I feel like I was able to build a relationship with those guys a lot more because of the Changemaker Scholarship. Um, and what's really neat and really fun is actually they've asked me to be a regular contributor to Science of Rowing now, um, now that Will Ruth has a Craftsbury position they're they're spreading their third person's duties out across a few different people and um, I'm super pumped that they asked me to contribute. Um, so it's kind Yay. of a really amazing progression right like of you guys having this wonderful change maker opportunity me getting to learn more at the US Rowing Confidence and then kind of build. know this relationship more with um like joe blake and will and then them ask if i would kind of help contribute so it's it's pretty cool how you know the that starter connection has like progressed so thanks guys yeah (laughs) i'm I'm
1: so excited to hear about that because when we were able to hook you up with the science of rowing guys through the sponsorship that uh, excuse me through the scholarship they sponsored i know that you were really excited about it you said that you were already a fan of theirs and you were really into the stuff that they were producing and sharing. And um, I remember you, you know, not too long after the conference telling us that you'd been able to connect with them and start sharing information. So now it's, you know, a year and a half later and to be, to be now a part of that team, I just like,
2: yay! That's yeah, yay. <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah, so, no, it's very fun.
2: So when are you premiering as part of the Science of Brewing group?
0: So the, um, first article I reviewed, um, is part of the April issue so soon. Um, and so it was really cool. And, um, I was able to use Tara to help with this too, which was wonderful. The first article I was able to review was a PR one. So an adaptive rower based article, um, which I believe is the first adaptive, um, article they had reviewed within, not that they didn't, you know, want to, but they just hadn't done one yet because there's a lot of choices, um, and so it was fun to be able to kind of put a little bit of my brain of all sorts of you know kind of everything we've talked about into learning more. Like I, I learned a lot about PR one, coaching and and equipment and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, both through conversations in contributing to this article and sort of what I looked up. Um, you know, just in in writing my review of it. So yeah, pretty cool. It was like a very like multiple worlds colliding, lots of like minds melding and and just that continued like chance to learn more. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so last week, actually, uh, Lisa and Jenny Sichel and I sat down and talked about this article and talked about our actual on the dock, hands-on experience on how seat back angles benefit, don't benefit, you know, hinder Support uh, what's uh, PR1 athletes, which are the ones uh, arms and shoulders. They used to be called arms and shoulders athletes. So I was thrilled to be able to participate. You know, I love talking rowing and I love talking adaptive technology and adaptive methodologies. And uh, as part of my Seize the Oar Foundation hat, you know, I love that. And then getting to see Jenny Sitchell, you know, it just felt like years since she and I had seen each other, and she's with Community Rowing's uh, Para program, she's the Coxswain for the four and also a coach uh, for them. So it was just great to bring all the worlds together and, and uh, you know, we wouldn't even know about you. Um, and so you had signed up for that scholarship and just, it's great to see all the different ways that this has gone out and back into the world and, and uh, helped you professionally and personally. So it's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I, it's 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 really cool, like kind of thinking back and looking through and sort of tracing where things have gone. So it's, it's neat to have gotten the opportunity in the beginning from you guys, so thanks. It's cool, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. And congrats on
1: your new role with um, Science of Rowing. I've been following those guys as well for a couple of years. So I'm looking forward to seeing that article in April. Thank <laughs> yes. you for sharing your insights with us today and talking to us about your rowing background and where you're heading.
0: And we're really excited to see what happens next. Yeah. Absolutely. No, thank you guys. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.
1: The photos of Elisa, along with links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State
2: is more than a podcast. Totally. We should definitely tell them we've got virtual events happening every week that bring together the rowing community from across the country and actually around the world.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I really look forward to Friday mornings when we get together for coffee chat on Instagram Live because we get to talk about rowing and racing and technique. But we also delve into things like DEI and motivation slumps.
2: And it's always neat when rowers from around the world tune in. And so we hope you'll join us on Fridays, eight o'clock West, 11 o'clock East on Instagram Live. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to our conversation. And
1: we also know that everyone sometimes needs buddies to help get them through long pieces on the ERG. I know I do. So we lead Steady State Sundays, the fourth Sunday, basically, (laughs) of each month at 6.45 a.m. West, 9.45
2: a.m. East, and when you register for the 60 minute steady state erg workout, we give cues and insights to keep you motivated along the way. So you can work at your own pace and then stick around after to chat.
1: Yeah, I really like that at your own pace. I wrote about a 16. <laughs> so um, if you want to find out more about any of our events and claim your spot in our lineup, go ahead and visit steadystatenetworkcom
2: events. Steady State Podcast is brought to you by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Between us, we have 33 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience and running successful rowing related enterprises.
1: Tara is the founder of Seize the Oar Foundation, where they champion inclusion in the sport of rowing
2: through team training, outreach, and thought leadership. And Rachel is the founder of Row Source, the original resource for master's rowers. You can find us on Instagram,
1: Facebook, and Twitter at Seize the Oar and Row Source. Thanks so much for listening. In two, way enough. That's one, two, way enough.